Hello, this is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. On today's show, I'm going to do a thought experiment in the traditional scientific way. We've heard of thought experiments from our famous scientists such as Albert Einstein, who did one for the theory of relativity, and then we have Heisenberg's thought experiment uh, where he famously saw that uh, you, that if you tried to measure a particle that you necessarily affected it with a beam of light, so therefore there's an uncertainty in measuring particles. But today we're going to have a thought experiment. It's going to be, imagine that we're really not machines, but spiritual creatures, beings of light and energy. And with that assumption, let's look at the concept of dying and see the way our lives change and the world's and the world changes. On this conversation, I have with me one of the country's uh, greatest spiritual leaders. She's also a people leader in my book. She's a successful author, life coach, motivational speaker, radio host for Unity FM uh, Radio. She's a Unity minister, practicing shaman, and also the author of the new book, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to stop dying and start waking up. The guest is Temple Hayes. Temple, it's great having you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Philip, and thank you for everything you're doing to keep people awake and aware on our planet. And I just appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks so much. Well, I, I really think that you you do uh, break uh, new ground in this book, and I think it's really something that you um, it, it comes from who you are as a person, and and. Uh, that is evident in the words of the book, which I'm going to recommend a few times throughout this show. But first of all, uh, why, after everything you've done in your life, why did you decide now to write this book? Well, I I got the idea of the title. It was gifted to me in a meditation about 10 years ago. And um, it was just really as simple as it's a book that's been in me for a long time. It was just more, you know, taking the time and, and making the commitment to, to do it. And I, I think as um, evolutionary leaders, we all get to a certain point in our lives where we say, you know, it's time for me to really stand out, stand up, and stand for the values at a deeper level that I really believe in. So I think it's a little bit of all of that, but it's kind of like I, I woke up one day and went, it's time now. It's time. I'm ready. Um, and I need to take a strong uh, stand as a life advocate as to where I believe we're going or not going as a culture, as in our humanity. And I'm just seeing so many people um, emotionally drained and dreading life and, and giving up and, you know, all those kind of things. It's like it just felt called that it was my time to do it. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's something here about, I was going to ask you about whether you think this whole issue, uh, you know, to the core of it, you know, what is our essence? I mean, that, that's that's one way to put it. What is our essence? And what should we be doing about it? In my mind, uh, it seems like it's getting clearer to me. Is is that the same for you? Is, is this is this whole thing becoming clear as you as you move through your life, or or, or not? Yeah, it 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 really is. Um, it becomes clearer all the time um, of what you know we want to take a stand for. Yeah. I, I know that in in your work and on your show, you feel very strongly about certain things that through your own life and your own experimentation and your own experiences, you know, you're willing to talk about. And I feel that there's a lot of us emerging forward now that 
I mean, we we need leaders. You know, we need people having a voice. We need people speaking out for, you know, what we believe. And um, I like to say it's not because I listened to, you know, a couple of CDs and went to, a, you know, a five-day workshop that I've decided to take this on. Yeah. You yeah. know, this yeah. has been a, a lifelong yeah. Yeah. a lifelong experiment yeah. of um, things that I've practiced or um, engaged myself in that I know are, you know, tested, tried and true and, and work. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, a lot of people who may not uh, know about your background, I mean, you were, you were raised in a, in a pretty uh, conservative Baptist surrounding. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very, very traditional. Very, um, well, it, I was growing up in the 60s in reference to that I knew about one Jewish family in our community. And, you know, we didn't have meetup.com then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you didn't, the only thing you knew about was what you heard about. Yeah. And, you know, as it was perceived where I grew up, if you weren't what they were, you were wrong anyway. Yeah. So we didn't do much conversing about it, you know, because everybody else, aside from where I was from, um, was not accurate if they were pursuing anything other than being a deep-rooted Baptist. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in some of this, it's like uh, when the genie gets out of the bottle, you can't put it in. And that that's sort of like with the Internet and the blogging and the freedom of speech, there's so many ideas out there now along these lines. Uh, you know, what are we really? Are we robots or are we spiritual beings? Are we creatures of light and energy or are we mechanical contraptions doomed to rust away? I mean, that's one of the key issues. You know, is consciousness primary mm -hmm. or matter? This, All this kind of stuff, which, was, which probably would sound... Uh, pretty far out uh, 20, 30 years ago. It still is far out to a lot of people, but the point is, is that with the freedom of expression, the internet, the blogging, there's more it, it's it's comforting to know that a lot of us have sort of buried these ideas in us and we're realizing that other people have the same voices, the same thoughts. And so I think it's because I think that the freedom of speech is, is really helping us here. You know, so you know, so I, I think that's I think that's I think that's really um, a, a a positive thing. Now, your your book is is called "When Did You Die?" and eight steps to stop dying and start waking up. And the obviously this is a big topic because dying and death is obviously central to everybody, and and waking up has so many different meanings. Uh, that it's you know it, there's there's probably as many meetings as there are books on the topic out there. So I want to talk about both of these. But but first of all, what is it about dying? Do you th that you think we've got wrong in our culture? Well, I wanted to address it in a level that I felt like that um, most people don't seem to think about at least out loud. Um, in reference to, you know, in our culture, we will do most anything to avoid even conversing about a physical death. Um, I've dealt with so many people in my life that they've never, you know, their their paperwork is in order. They don't have their ducks in a row, so to speak, you know, towards their physical death. And it's gruesome, you know, for families and things like that. I know for myself, I used to think, you know, when I was much younger in, in years that, you know, they they would come up with some kind of magic pill and I'd get to take it and, you know, wouldn't have to die. Yeah, and yeah. I think lying dormant, a lot of us are hoping, you yeah. know, still hoping that, that, you know, forget going to outer space. Let's figure out how to wait to live forever on, on this dimension. But having said that, um, often what we miss is another kind of death, and that's uh, where we're not really living. Um, we're just kind of going through the motions, as you alluded to earlier. We, we are a lot of people that have become more robotic. We're influenced by what people say, um, by what statistics tell us, and, you know, those kind of things. We have subtle deaths that keep us from really living a vibrant life, whether it's age, being in a cage, 
with philosophy or psychology that holds us back um, through fragmentation of our spirit. So like me, okay, you know, no, I didn't grow up in a in an area where people saw I had gifts and said, you know, let's get you over to the mystery school. I mean, yeah. no, that didn't happen. But however, I can also see where that helped shape me to be able to do the work that I'm able to do today. So, but the subtle deaths of dying are that we lack in energy, we lack in vibrancy, inspiration, esteem, assertiveness, possibility thinking, a lot of different things are subtle deaths that people have every day. Yeah, I that really resonated with me because the more I think about it, the more I, I'm come, I've come to the conclusion that we are really beings of energy, and we could we could try to use the most scientific sounding word possible. We could call ourselves quantum energy or some other kind of energy, but but the point is is that we we are given through some miracle this 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 uh, this, this this energy, and. So many of us, as you point out, we lose that energy because we're not paying attention, and and this this uh, this this loss of energy is is what I viewed as this slow death. We're we're uh, we're not living to our true essence, and so and so therefore it's dissipating. Is is that is that is that right? Oh, oh uh, yeah. totally and completely. And yes, yes. I'm a, a, a strong believer like you that we are, I mean, we have the possibility of infinite energy. And yeah, we're created as a human being. We have a human body. You know, there's certain things that we can do with nutrition and, and daily maintenance and the kind of food we eat and watching what's eating us. And there's a, a, a wide range of things that, that you and I could say, okay, we know this to be true with where we are, but we have so many people that they they aren't making that uh, connection with the fact that that we are made of infinity. We are made of infinite energy, and the energy that I have today on Monday doesn't have to have anything to do with what I did last Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) You know what I mean? We have people that live in this world, they'll say, well, you know, it'll be Monday, and they've already decided on Friday how worn out they're going to be. You know, they make decisions about, you know, going to the party or not going to the party or, you know, what they're going to do because, no, I mean, I'm just not going to have the energy because, you know, i got to go do this and do this and do that. And, um, even if people don't want to hold the capacity that they are spiritual beings, which if you're, if we're all breathing, uh, we are made out of spirit. Um, but having said that, even if people just want to make the connection that they're nature, you don't you don't see elements of nature worn out. You know, it's yes. just a it's a thriving kind of vibrancy. Yes, yes. It to me, it's it's so much of it is attitude. Is, is is how do you how do you uh, write your own narrative, and and there's there's so much in our culture where we're told all the things that are going to happen to us, all the things that we have to do to be happy. And you, there's a there's a section in your book where, where you talk about you know the media tells you this, the Bible says this, your minister says this, and the professors say this, and it's like we give up. Uh, our narrative to other people or and and put in different words we give up our dreams and all of a sudden we're we're older and we think we know what happened to my life and and so i think that approaching it as us being spiritual beings to me you know if i'm speaking to a complete doubter on this i'm saying well just just uh, just try it just 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 uh Take it as a thought experiment, as I said at the top of the show, pretend uh, that that we really are spiritual creatures. In fact, folks, what do you have to lose? This is this is really what I think the winning argument is, which is that what do you mm-hmm. have to lose? Uh, you know, it's 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 something that um, that I think any of us could benefit from. You you make a very powerful point. A lot of them in your book. You talk about the cross fear. 
which I think is is obviously controversial, but but I'd like you to talk about that a little bit because coming from you, it I think it really carries a lot of weight. What is the cross fear? Uh, thank you for asking, and, and I love controversy. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Because the right place. I, yeah. I think it's through um, controversial topics that that we actually, if we're willing, we have the capacity to to either expand our awareness or to have a paradigm shift yeah. and realize that maybe we didn't have it right all along. Um, but when I talk about the cross, I, I talk about you know there's so many images. That it doesn't really matter if you're a believer or a non-believer. Since the beginning of our lives, we've all seen the images of, of Jesus hanging on the cross of this brutal death um, at a very young age. And deep within our psyches is this awareness or this nudging that if I do good, I'm summoned to die. And because we fear death so much, we have this saboteur within us that has this intention to do well and to be well, but yet there's this other nudging that is saying, no, 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 you know, don't be too good, don't do it too well, because you could pay the price. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's the, the terminology, only the, the, the good die young. You know, so there's definitely um, something there that doesn't really, as a culture, work for us. If anything, it works against us, and often it's it's used as a um, uh, an evangelist way or a methodologist to make us want to make us want to do better. You know, where it actually isn't working for us in that way at all. It actually works against us wanting to do well or to um, better our lives. Yeah. This is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm uh, speaking with Temple Hayes, the author of the new book, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying and Start Waking Up. We're talking about cross-fear. And, and, you know, and we think about it, uh, Temple, of all the images in our culture, the cross is probably right up there. I mean, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if there's any more powerful image. It's had such a effect on people. And, and you're exactly right that it's it's an image that we've sort of allowed others to craft for us that puts us into sort of a never never land of of losing propositions where where we tend to forget the the underlying message it happens so much and the the thing that i have i struggle with is is this is this notion that not only do the good die but but that that uh, the death was because of our sins. I, I just, I just have a, you know, he died for our sins. I, I've always had a problem with that because, uh, and I think that that, that negative, uh, you know, message, I, I think really burdens a lot of people. And and I don't, I don't think that that is healthy. But but again, I'm. Oh I'm, yeah. yeah, I totally am with you. I mean, how could I start my life? Um, and be blamed for something that happened. You know, yeah. How can I feel the weight of something and be blamed for it and be held accountable for something that happened 2,000 years ago that yeah. I didn't get a vote, I didn't get a say? Um, and the unfortunate thing, it, it's one thing with parental guidance or mentoring guidance that we teach people consequences. You know, the working with a cause and effect, you take a certain action and therefore you're getting a certain result. But especially when you look at people that are being bombarded with um, this traditional way of thinking, it's almost like they don't—they don't even get a fair start. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are uh, born into small-mindedness. Uh, they are—I mean, I remember in in first, second grade, 
um, being asked to climb up under my desk because something was going to happen. Do you remember that? Did yeah, that happen yeah, to you? Yeah, and yeah. three or four times in my school, we were told the world was going to come to an end. Yeah. I remember a couple of kids saying, well, you know, go ahead and give me my Christmas present then. I mean, <laughs> if the world's going to end, at least me let, let me go ahead and enjoy it. Yeah. But it's almost like, you know, you don't want to have to think about that we are intentionally programmed, but you start to wonder after a while, wait a minute, you know, I mean, it's that fear tactic um, that I should feel bad about who I am and I need to be alert all the time about being afraid that something's out to get me. And then when you throw in the model of the old rugged cross and how that is supposed to be something that I'm supposed to feel terrible and wretched about, um, you know, and you're just not even entering into puberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. those are heavy burdens. Yeah. Like, you can see, you know, why some people become so weary um, and, and become victims. And because they've learned the blame tactic, they spend the rest of their lives blaming um, everything and everyone else about their circumstances. Yeah, I, I think it's when you, th- well, when you think about it, what makes it so bad is that you're talking about the core of our being, our essence. It, this is this mm-hmm. is not this is not you know uh, what pair of shoes to wear or whether or whether you should be a, a Raiders fan or a Green Bay Packers fan or what school you want to. This this is what we are as uh, to the core of our being, and I think that's really why it's so disastrous. And, and you know. My, uh, I, I had a talk with my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, about this, and I, I told her that uh, to be critical of anything anybody told told her about about Jesus and about uh, rising from the dead and all that. I said, use your own judgment, read the books yourself, and and I think that's the that's what you've got to do because the the message is coming from folks that clearly had a different agenda or a different perspective maybe they were uh, well-meaning at, at one era a couple thousand years ago but but we have to move beyond that you know and I, th- I think that that's really what this is all about moving beyond those those hardened interpretations um, now on this front uh, this there's there's uh, in your book you talk about waking up how how do you define waking up? Well, part of it is related to exactly what you just said, you know, uh, and the beautiful, sound, and solid advice you gave your daughter is that um, you stop being a robot. And with everything that presents itself on your path from this moment forward as a listener, you learn to go, does this feel right to me? You know, is this something that I feel is necessary for me? You learn how to, rather than go with everybody's answers, you learn to stop and take a breath and go, is this what suits me and it's everywhere you know you're driving down the road and there's billboards telling you you know how close the emergency room is and which hospital to go to and you go into the drugstore just to pick up some lotion for your hands and you see the sign you've got to have the flu shot you got to get the shingle shot you know i mean it's not hard to realize all the areas that we need to be awake about because they're all around us all the time and and so it's it's a starting where you are in that moment of from this defining moment i will be more attentive and i'll stop having all these advice giving people around telling me what to do and how to be and how to think and how to feel i'm liking it i liken it to because i think it's important for all age groups because we can resonate it's kind of like when you have all the computer windows open, you know, on your Safari or your Internet 
Explorer, when you have 12, 14 windows open, they're all kind of running at the same time. And then you go to see a new movie or a new video, and it keeps doing that buffering because there's not enough energy for it to really get up and go and boost. And that's what happens to us as human beings is that we have all these tapes, you know, running in our head. There's people that never stop to say, how do I want to really spend my holidays? Yes. You know, they don't ever stop and go, well, what do I want to do? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, you know, and we forget that, that there is, there, there is a, uh, a, you know, we do, we do have these souls or intuition or or true feelings, whatever word we want to use. And the, and the one reason I speak somewhat radically about this, and I don't know if it's radical or whatever it is, but I have faith that that what what conforms or what uh, enriches our essence is something we're going to be attracted to. And so if we really are, as you put it, and uh, we'll talk about this, if we're really carrying out, you know, the the, uh, the word of God or the message of God or the story of God or whatever, uh, how I would put it, then that's something that's going to resonate with us. It's going to feel right. And, and But, but you've got to give yourself the opportunity <laughs> to, to experience that wholeness. Other, otherwise, you'll never know if it's true or not. And and so many people go down that path, and and frankly, you know, and you said it in your book as well. This whole concept of separating ourselves from the divine, and and that is part of this whole thing. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you know, praying to oh, totally right, separating ourselves. That's that's terrible. Um, so. Uh, totally. I mean, I've, I can I can actually walk uh, where I live. I can walk over to the ocean. And I can take a cup and I can fill it with water from the ocean. And you know what? Um, I can call it water. I can call it salty water. I can call it uh, warm water. It, it doesn't matter what I call it, but the bottom line, it's the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, no matter what, I just call it a theory <laughs> or um, esoteric or yeah. metaphysical liquid. Yeah. It is ocean water. Yeah. And, you know, we're the same. We can call it whatever we want. We can make it a theory, something woo-woo, but at the end of the day, we are made of spirit, you know, and as far as I can tell, until we can decide among ourselves, I'm going to stop breathing and then I'm going to start back, I'm going to start breathing and then I'm going to stop breathing and then I'm going to stop my electricity in my body and then I'm going to start it back, until I have that capacity, mm -mm, I'm not playing God. (laughs) Because there's something innately that keeps all my motors going and my life force going and mm -mm. you know um so i'm i'm with you on that i um and to disconnect from that uh is a is a it's a global issue it's an it's an epidemic actually but a lot of people aren't saying they don't believe in it well they think they're saying at a intellectual level i don't believe in a creator and i don't believe in a god more often than not and i bet you feel the same way they're not really saying they don't believe in some creator that gave them life and then will decide when they are no longer here. Um, I think they're saying they don't believe in what they were grown up, you know, grew up with, or they yes. don't believe in what a lot of people say. Right. Um, I think that fundamentally, we we need to go deeper and ask questions when people say, "I'm not in agreement with that." Well, what does that mean? You know. Um, and and again, it's we lack this essence of of asking questions so that we can really get good answers. Back to what you were saying a while ago, I love the um, analogy of the navigation system in our yeah. automobile. Yeah. 
And to me, that makes perfect sense to me because you can get in the car with somebody and they say, I want to arrive at this place. It's it's on down the road, but I'm going to get here and this is where I want to go. And that navigation system will tell you and me, go left, go right. I've even been in people's vehicles that they don't want to believe what they're being told to do. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll say, well, have you ever gone there? No, but, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. And I said, well, it's a satellite system. You would think that it it knows. But here's the thing. If you don't listen to it, then don't get mad at your navigation system yeah. if you don't get where you want to go. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are into that. We have this navigation system. We have this dream, this destiny, this part all of us when we were little we said one day here's where i want to be you know i dreamed to be over here and all along we've had this internal navigating system telling us the way to go but often we don't listen and then we get mad and we say life isn't working and get frustrated when we're not working the way that life works for us. Yeah, and I think you call it with the God personalized system, the GPS, your own, your own, mm-hmm. your own uh, acronym. This is <laughs> this is Philip Camella. Yeah, your own. Yeah, this this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm happy to be speaking with Temple Hayes, the author of the new book When Did You Die: Eight Steps to Stop Dying and Start Waking Up. And we are probing a lot of these big issues right now and and you know off of the gps for a second one of the one of the best things about your book is when you talk about uh distinguishing between aging and growing old i mean your your quote here that i wrote down is aging is inevitable whereas growing old is optional and and you talk about you know that your goal is to be is to live to be 150 and I thought that was so refreshing because I think that really had to be said. So, 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 what what is the distinction between aging and growing old? Well, to me, um, and I've seen it too much that I that I know it to be true. Um, it is that we add years to our life all the time. We're, we're aging as, as people. We're in human suits. Our our bodies age. They become somewhat different, but. Being old is a, like you had said at the very beginning of the show, it's attitude. It's not ever really living. It's doing, it's the subtle death of doing a lot of things that aren't really resonating with us, but we're just kind of going through the emotions. Those are the things that make people old. Um, practicing other people's beliefs other than your own. Um, all of those things attribute to a person that becomes an old person long before their time. There's 20 and 30 year olds that are already old. Yeah. You know, old and their their victimhood, old and it's never going to get any better. You know, this is the way I've always been. Uh, all those kind of things uh, attribute to that e- immensely. And it is interesting when you look at as a culture, because there's some scientists, there's some people that say that we are designed to live to be three, four, five hundred years old. But it is interesting that very few people ever take that on. Don't don't you yeah. think that's interesting? We're so yeah. competitive. Yeah. I mean, we want to go to the moon. They said we couldn't, but we're determined to do so. Um, Roger uh, Bannister, it's like, no, you can do a mile quicker than that. We're always taking something on. We can get in a little tin can uh, with a bunch of people, mostly sneezing, and fly anywhere in the world we want to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we yeah. can do a lot of things, but we don't take on, well, why can't we live to be why can't we live longer? Why can't we overcome these numbers a bit? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's 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 a real that's a really good question. The one of the first guests I've ever had on my show was the author of this book called I think it's called The Youth Pill. And he, he had written an article in Scientific American that, that, that got my attention and I interviewed him and he was a real is a real good guy and real smart but what came what came across from this interview is that there is no youth pill uh, there there's a couple drugs uh that have shown a little 
improvement in, in ages, but there really isn't no magic bullet. When when you compare the findings of of that of of materialistic science versus things like the placebo effect, and and the and the power of of healing and mind over matter and the power of the heart, I think we're going to see a lot more progress in the power of spirit over matter than we are by developing a fancy pill. And I, so I think mm-hmm. I think I this agree. I think this is a really exciting area. And and but but as you say, you can't, you know, we can't get there unless we think we can or unless unless it's part of our dream. I mean, my attitude is I want to get better every day. I mean, that's sort of mm-hmm. weird, but that is it was it hasn't it always been the goal. You get better every day. I have a friend of mine who has convinced himself he's an old man, and he looks like an old man, just like you're saying. He's convinced himself that because he's uh, he's whatever age he is, therefore he's old, and therefore he needs to look like his parents did at that age. Well, that's exactly, you know, that's what he dreamt, and that's what he is. But the the power here, and we're just at the beginning of this, is that if spirit is at the core then there should be no end in sight. You know, we should be able to just, at least we should be experimenting with it, you know. so Yeah, or, or be willing to be in the conversation because, right. you know, very few people are, are shunned upon because they aimed high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. That's like yeah. I say in the book, you yeah. know, I'm going to put it out there. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for 150. And so when I think about it, okay, 150, I'm, I'm aiming for that. Well, if progress is made in evolution and race consciousness is coming along and it seems even more practical than hey I'm very happy and willing to bump that number up because I love this life I love being alive I love being a human you know and I I think that there was a period of time in my in my spiritual awareness and connecting and and therapy and learnings and all that that I that I actually I think I set out to replace being a human you know I'm going to get to a certain place where I don't have to feel pain. I'm going to get to a certain plane, place where I don't have problems. And I remember, too, when I got sober 27 years ago, I thought, well, I'm not going to have any problems now. <laughs> you know, was I surprised? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I still had problems, and I got to feel them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so... That's that's funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I get tickled at myself because it's so funny how we think sometimes by not thinking, I guess. Yeah, well, I I think, I mean, as you were were saying that, I mean, there's there's some famous books, and there's a couple on my bookshelf. I think one of them is called The Magic of Thinking Big. And there's Mm. there's so many many books and and, uh, self-improvement messages and inspirational, motivational speakers, you know, uh, you know, set your set your sights high. You know, reach for the highest star. Well, by saying we're going to live longer, it's like, oh my God, you've gone crazy. No, no, I I'm dreaming big, folks. And and if if spirit is at the core, then this is the way it's supposed to work. Now, this segues into into another um, sort of phrase you use that I really like because I have been using. I have interviewed a couple uh, near-death people recently on the show, and you have a new spin. It's called the near-life experience, which I which, <laughs> which I thought was which I thought was so refreshing um, because I think we have a, I think we have a similar attitude here, which is that um, let's let's focus on life first. So what what is a what is a near-life experience? And I, I, I too, I join you. And there are people uh, that are, you know, so fascinated with what happens when we go to the other side or when we die. But the near life experiences, it's like, that's what I said. It's like, well, what about those? You know, because whether something happens magical or whether I'm on a, a cart and it's uh, layered in gold when I'm somewhere else after this life, it what really matters is life right now this moment now and so near life experiences are when opportunities come our way we we aren't awake enough to see them um when 
people that love and, and want to share and give their good to us are right in front of us, and, and we have not allowed ourselves the capacity to let them in. Near-life experiences is when we set out to spare ourselves of, like, pain and suffering and sorrow, like, well, I won't get another animal because, you know, I mean, it's going to die in just a few years. And so... It's the, it's the moments that we get near to something into our lives, but we don't put our whole selves in. Yeah. We don't get engaged and enrolled in it. Um, it could be as simple as traveling all over the world as an author wanting to make a difference, but not even knowing the name of your neighbors. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. um, it, it's, it's an everyday life of being fully present to the being in the grocery line and realizing that you're being held up for a reason. And when you're living in the capacity of being totally alive, instead of almost having a, a near-life experience, then you get enrolled and engaged in that. Okay, there's a reason I'm here. Let me, I'm being held up for a reason. Let me turn around and see who's behind me. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's going on? Let me explore this. There's a mystery wanting to reveal itself. And that, I find that so exciting. You know, what mystery can reveal itself to me today? I want to be open and I want to be able to just see and hear it when it comes my way. Yeah, I, I think that, that, I think it's a much more, um, promising way to view life. I mean, I I think that near death experiences and the whole and the whole topic is fascinating. I think I I essentially I've been convinced that there's a different that there's dimensions or levels of consciousness where there is there are other worlds out there or in or inside of us somewhere, but I think we are in the major leagues right now. I think this is this is the best form of life. It, at least it's one we know exists, and I think that has a great advantage, and some people overlook that. But I love the notion of near-life experiences, and so when you're, when you're near that moment of true living, then, we should, then, then you should jump at it. Now, you said something there that, that also helped, that allows me to go to my hokey-pokey question. Um, because all of us were raised with with the hokey, it's, it's got to be one of the classic songs of all time, the hokey pokey. Now, but but you t- but you use it to talk about putting your whole self in, which I thought was a really neat and fun way to do it. Now, so so what do you? So just once you continue talking about how important it is that we put our whole self in. Yeah, well, I I love that concept, and it it's so fun for me. I love to travel to another state, another city, you know. And often adults are just they look at you so serious. You know? yeah, yeah, I love open, I love opening my talk and and starting to do. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, and they look at me like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen here? Yeah. But I skip through it, you know, a couple of little points, and then get right to what would happen in your life if you put your whole self in, yeah. you know, and how many of you right now in, in your relationship and your marriage with your children, with uh, your job, your career are truly putting your whole self in when you're there, you're there when you're somewhere else you're somewhere else. I mean, how many people can say that? And the other part of the song, which is a very powerful message, it says you put your whole selves in and then you turn yourself around. And a lot of people feel like they got to turn themselves around first. Yeah. You know, it's called, it's it, uh, forget instant gratification. It's delayed, never receive gratification yeah. Yeah. because it's a, you know, there's so many people out there that could be great teachers or, or do great radio shows or be wonderful authors or great parents or, you know, take on uh, helping the world with various issues, even if the world is just their community association, but they're waiting. You know, they're waiting on something to turn around. Well, I'll do that when, when I, you know, when that happens, or I'll do that when I feel like I don't. You know, like somebody said to me, "Well, 
you know, I'm going to become a speaker teacher like you, Temple, when, you know, I don't have any problems. And I yeah. said, well, you know, maybe there'll be a slot for you in the afterlife. <laughs> you know, that you'll be able to do that. Yeah. Because yeah. as long as you're in a human suit, you're going to have problems. I would never have taken, um, done half the things in my life that I've been able to do um, had I been waiting for you know, something to turn around, I'd still be waiting there yeah. um, somewhere on the curb. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true, and there's, and there's two elements to that. There is, there is yourself and then, then putting the whole self in there. I mean, you first got to figure out, you know, yourself and, and your, your God-personalized navigation system. But it's, I think in some ways it's harder and harder in, in, in today's world with, the, with all the distractions we have. I mean, with the cell phones and the, and the uh, Facebook and traffic and technology and TV and movies, I mean, it becomes harder and harder. But you know what? It's, in many ways, it's becoming more important because things mm-hmm. are happening so fast you sort of have to hit that pause button and and really really as they said in the old days feel your oats you know and and um and and put your whole self in i know that's the only way it works for me you got to do one thing at a time and put and put that whole put the whole self in there i think it's uh i think it's a it's a great it's a great lesson it's a great um thank you it's a great way to look thank at things thank you well i I, I see that a lot in you know with some of my friends and how they approach relationship. You know, um, many of them are are divorced and and wanting to have a relationship in their lives. And you know, some of them will get on you know Plenty of Fish or Match.com or eHarmony or whatever. And right. and a lot of them aren't giving true information. Uh, they aren't saying what their real age is and you know those kind of things. But even at that, then they get on to you know let's go on a date. Let's connect and and they're uh, on reserve yeah you know and and a lot of people will say well i'm gonna wait and see what he does yeah. or she does and you know once i see them being more caring or sensitive then i'm going to show some more of that you know with with them and it, it's like are you kidding me i mean when we were teenagers we could wait all summer <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to get some kind of answer <laughs> you know but as you move along through life, it's like if you're showing up and only giving half of yourself, you're getting half of yourself back. It's the point. Yes. And that's why, though it sounds so cutesy to put your whole self in, it's immense in how we're showing up with life because you get back what you bring to the table. Yes, yes. And my my um, example here, and I'm not much of a financial analyst but when the stock market tanked and I guess in 2008 I remember one one a friend of mine telling me that he was going to get back in when when the market started going up it's sort of the same thing mm. I mean what at what mm-hmm. what magic moment is 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 going up you know you know what does that mean one point two points three and a half four and a half so you just have to dive in sometime and I and I think that I think it's um I think it's refreshing. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Temple Hayes, the author of the new book, When Did You Die? And we're probing all these issues, that topics that she gives a very original spin on in her book. One of the things you, you do in your book is you call Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Yogadama shamans. And you, and you yourself are a shaman is that is that correct mm-hmm. i'm so, a practicing uh, uh, learned shaman okay. i wasn't birthed out of a right. tribe <laughs> which would be the normal way you yeah, know that yeah. they count on you and the next generation being yeah. the shaman and the leader yeah. but i have learned uh through a lot of practices and studying with a teacher for many years shamanic practices which has absolutely not only blessed and graced my life but allowed me i feel uh, a lot of the groundedness and energy to support me in you know what i what i do today so so what is so first of all what is a shaman 
or, or yeah. Okay, well, a shaman first of all believes in you know wholeness, healing, um, infinity. Um, a shaman by nature is very connected to nature. Um, I mean, before we had access to all this communication and things, uh, people could go, journalists could go into these little side hills all over the world and see tribes, and they were practicing, oddly enough, very similar rituals. You know, and they were practicing them, but yet they had never communicated with one another and found out what the other one was doing. So they they practice more of an innate, um, as we alluded to earlier on the show, more natural ways of being uh, that sustain their energy, uh, that heal them. Um, shamans um, are very... Um, aware of you know what it's like to be a human being and how we go through loss and tragedy and those kind of things and often a healer of that way can support an individual to get that energy back and that's for me been the biggest part that I focus on is how to support people to get their original energy back in their bodies so they can have a thriving life and and by and by Designating some of these great spiritual leaders throughout history, as I mentioned, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, you, it seems to me, will you, will you like, uh, it, or, or by calling them shamans, it sounds like a universal term that applies to mm-hmm. people who are better connected to, to, to the source of yeah. spirit. Is that, is that what you were, okay. Ab- absolutely, uh, because ancient is what's always been. Yes. You know, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, just like the whole movement of new thought, uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful movement. It's always good when anything is movement and moving, but yet um, there's nothing new about new thought yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, you look at Plato, Socrates, um, all the great philosophers even today, I mean, we're kind of just recycling, aren't we? Um. Yes, yeah. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I mean, uh, there was a famous quote by Alfred Lord Whitehead, and I'm and uh, who said that uh, all of philosophy is a footnote to Plato, and and uh, we are. But you know, but but I think what we're doing is, I think we're putting it into our own words all, all the great, mm-hmm. all these great lessons. I mean. Uh, there, it doesn't get much more complicated than we all are one. We're connected at the core. Uh, we have a divine potential. I mean, that's that that sort of forms, you know, what uh, some have called the perennial philosophy. But I think it's very healthy uh, designating or identifying these great spiritual leaders, i.e., Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, and others, as shamans. Why? Well, because it shows that there's a unity, that there is a unity, you know, that that Mm -hmm. it's not that that they're not coming from a different cult somewhere that is opposed to some some other cult. And and having said that, you are you are a a minister in, in is it the unity? Is it a church or what do you call it? The unity? What the unity? Yeah, it's a uh, spiritual community. We we tend to use in in marketing and in terminology that you know we're our spiritual community or a spiritual center only because uh, it does practice a much more evolving kind of it, it's practicing the kind of conversations that you and I are having right now yes. we're not talking traditional same same message trying to seek different results from that same message it is more about oneness uh, it's about the practice of everybody believing in in a power greater than themselves and how they can use it and how to have a relationship with that. And I love the model um, itself because it just fits right up my alley and in, in who I am and what I believe is that I have my own beliefs, you have yours, but if I use yours, they may not work for me. Right. So our philosophy is that we're not telling someone what to think. We're teaching them methods in which they can think for themselves. Yes, yeah, and I, I think that that is where things have to be heading, which is which is using your own brain, your critical thinking, uh, 
to question the the orthodox uh, religion, just like uh, I say, I think science should be questioned, and to see whether you reach a spot that makes more sense to you and that and that and that resonates. Uh, there, there's a couple lines from your from your book that I, I'd like you to just talk about before we um, come to the end here that are that I think are very uh, rich. Uh, one of them we sort of touched upon, but one of the one of them is not that, that we're not here to play God. We're here to allow God to play through us. What did you mean by that? <laughs> well, when we start deciding that there's only one way, um, there's only one form of religion that's right or wrong, um, and those kind of things in self-righteousness, we're, we're playing uh, in, a, in a field that, you know, we don't have enough knowledge and education and broadness and awareness to do so. Yeah. Uh, we're here to allow what our own understanding of life is to play through us. And it goes back to that simplicity of the navigation system. If I don't know where I'm going and I put that address in my car, I'm going to do my best to listen to what is guided and, and where I'm being led because I really do want to arrive at the place I've put in. And so when I'm second-guessing that and I'm not willing to do what my internal dialogue is asking me to do and experience, then I'm playing God, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and rather than allowing the opportunities and the experiences and the direction to be guided through me as to the next step that I am to take. Yeah, well, I think that's that's well said. Uh, it's very similar to to the way I look at things. I mean, I think we're living out the dream of God, it, which is which is almost exactly the same thing. And I, it it comes down to we. We have to live together, unfortunately. I mean, you have to find I, – I, I really think that the, the hope is that we have to find something we could agree upon that's deep. And these, kinds mm -hmm. of, and these kinds of statements, like you say, we are here to allow God to play through us. I mean, that's the kind of, of statement that could be talked about for days and days and days and just, you know, you know, you know what does it mean? Because it, it there's something in it for everybody, and and I think that that's that's the the promise here. Um, there's something else that I really like. You say I'm so grateful that I've lived long enough to finally experience that some people actually believe me now, which I thought, which I thought was really good. <laughs> I I think I, I was thinking you, and you know it's one thing you say in your book that you haven't changed since you were five years old. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and and so it's like, well, finally, someone's actually listening to me. I mean, uh, I haven't reached that point, Temple, where people actually believe me yet. But but um, but what well, you, I believe you. <laughs> so you're already one ahead. Hallelujah, <laughs> Hallelujah. So so um, so why don't you just talk about what 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 you meant by that? I mean, some people actually believe you now that that you've been saying the same thing, but people are catching up, or or how do you? Yeah, well, I I do believe in the uh, the concept that you know some of us feel that we're we're born ahead of our time, and I don't think I was born ahead of my time. I think it was just attributed to where I was born, uh, the area that I was born into, and um, I was always the odd one. You know, I was always, why are you so deep, and why are you so different? And that was painful. You know, yeah. when you're a kid and you're asking probing questions or I would see people's energy and I would hear them talking and feel like they weren't in alignment. Their words and their body was not aligned and going in the same direction. Um, and I'm not saying that they were doing it on purpose. I think sometimes people are so unconscious. They don't even know they're not telling the truth to themselves, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those were very um, odd times, you know. I would say certain things about what I believe and what I felt true and now people go, 
you know, tell me more. Yeah. But back then, it was like, uh, you're too much for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's something. Well, you know. Go it, have a glass of wine. <laughs> I can't thank you. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you things, things have changed. And, and I've, always, I've always said, um, it's, not, it, it's not exactly related, but, uh, but I've always said, if you can't beat them, then outlive them. Which which is which is which is another way. To, <laughs> that's a good point. Which is, which is that's another a way very to say, good point. You know, you, know, if but you, if you, you keep, think about it. I mean, the the original ideas of the plane, people laughed. I mean, think about the poor person trying to invent the paper clip. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. trying to explain that to somebody <laughs> yeah. or the sticky note? Yeah. You know, yeah. well, some of us are out explaining, you know, the greater meaning of life, and yeah. and sometimes people think that's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line is, we live long enough that uh, that we see a lot of these things that are that are true and real. Yeah. Well, I think that this is this is where things are heading. I always say that if you, you know, you throw that goal out there, if you're right, then eventually people get the idea and they start getting they start gravitating through their navigation system towards there well we we've we've quickly reached the end and i didn't mention yet that uh that temple has one of the best radio shows in this area as well so temple why don't you just quickly uh tell folks about your show and how they could find out more about what you're doing you bet. Well, my show is called The Intentional Spirit, and like you, we interview authors and people from all over the world um, that give ideas about what it means to be intentional and awake. And the easiest way um, to access anything that I'm involved in is to go to my website, templehaze.com. Um, if you sign up, you get a free introduction of my book so you can know what it's about and you can find out all the information of social media and the radio temple hayes h-a-y-e-s dot com and uh temple it's been it's been a, a real pleasure talking with you it's it's uh you know i think that you you know we didn't talk about the the four bones uh which are the backbone wishbone hollow bone and the funny bone we ha- you have i think having a sense of humor about this uh, is is also very healthy uh, I want to yeah. recommend a Temple's book. Uh, I, I'm so lucky to be reading some of some of these books from guests on the show, and this one is uh, spirited, fun to read, and it's very original. It's called "When Did You Die: Eight Steps to Stop Dying and Start Waking Up." And lastly. Uh, we started off with a thought experiment. Imagine that we're really spiritual creatures, beings of light and energy, not machines. And I hope that this little um, uh, adventure we just went on the last hour shows that it is pretty promising to imagine that we are spiritual creatures in charge of our own destiny. And in, and in fact, uh, maybe uh, dying is not all what it's set out to be, and maybe our destiny is to live longer. This is Philip Camella, Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.